Hey, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and uh, turn your Bibles there, or if you want to turn them on, you can turn your Bible on as well. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Uh, Really, really pumped about everything that God is doing in our church. Um, I don't want to take for granted what God's doing in our church. Last week, because of your generosity, we were able to give away $30,000 to help feed people in Nashville and to help start a church in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, That's incredible. It's amazing. Uh, As of this morning, today, first service, we had our 99th person give their life to Jesus this morning. Come on. It's amazing. And next week, something I'm fired up about was mentioned earlier, but I'm just going to say something about it again. Uh, We're going to be led in worship by the Way Kids, and that is going to be an incredible, incredible Sunday. There's something about watching kids sing the wrong lyrics that just lights my my soul on fire, and uh, I'm excited about that, but it's also a great Sunday to invite somebody. And so if, uh, if there's somebody in your life who isn't a follower of Jesus, or maybe they're just looking for a community, um, next Sunday is the Sunday to bring somebody with you. We will figure out a way to fit them in this room if you bring them with you. Um, we would love that so much. So thank you for being here this morning. Honored to worship Jesus with you and excited to open up God's word. If you're in Mark chapter five, say there. There. Verse 24 is where we're gonna start. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought. If if you've got a pen and you want to underline the beginning of verse 28 there, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The title of my message this morning is really simple. It's remember who you are. Remember who you are. Uh, if this is your first time at Way Church, we got one rule at Way Church when we open up the Bible, and it's just that we're going to lean in to what God wants to speak to us. So if uh, leaning in looks like you saying amen out loud, uh, you can say amen if you want to. You can say preach a white boy if you want to. That's fine. Uh, and if you hear something you don't like, you can just email me at maddieheron at gmail.com, and um, I'll get that. Uh, but we're, we're really excited. Uh, this is what we believe. We believe that when we open up God's word, the pressure is actually not on the preacher or the teacher that Sunday uh, to actually get something from it. It's actually on the hearers of God's word. And when we lean into what God wants to say to us, each and every one of us will leave changed no matter how long we've been following Jesus or if we've been following Jesus at all, we believe the word of God will not return void. And so that's a great pleasure for me to announce this morning uh, that the pressure is not up to me, that it's actually the Holy Spirit who does the work. And if we'll lean into what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning, God will move. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you for your presence that's here. We love you. Speak to us this morning. Uh, God, we remember our friends, our brothers and sisters here in Middle Tennessee who were hit by the tornado yesterday. 
Um, God, we're just heartbroken for the families who lost loved ones and uh, lost their homes and so many different things that were damaged uh, yesterday evening. God, we pray that you'd be close to the brokenhearted today. God, we pray that you would use our church to be your hands and feet in the coming weeks. Um, God, that we could just be a, a small part of the solution as people try to restore and recover their lives. We love you. We pray that you would move all around uh, the city of Nashville today, not just here at Way Church, but be with Legacy Church and Cross Point Church and um, the Belonging Co. God, we just pray that you'd be with all these churches, the ones we know about and the ones we don't that are meeting. Pour out your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, your thought life matters. How many of you know there are power, there is power in your thoughts? Power in your thoughts. In fact, most of the big things in life start with small thoughts. I remember when Maddie and I had been dating for a couple weeks, uh, I started to have pretty important thoughts. Uh, these thoughts were thoughts of, I'm pretty sure I love this woman. And they were followed up with thoughts like, you should tell this woman that you love her before she realizes that she could do better than you. <laughs> and so I started thinking, how can I tell the woman of my dreams that I love her for the first time? And there were moments when I had opportunities to do that. In fact, there were several times when I thought I was going to do it, and I chickened out. I remember in particular one time Maddie was sitting in her parents' living room, and I walked in the living room with every intention to tell her that I loved her. I walked in, walked straight over to her. I said, hey, Maddie. She said, hey, Noah. I said, your parents are out of toilet paper in the guest bathroom. Because I would get so nervous. And so uh, a couple months into dating, um, we had this opportunity, Maddie, myself, and a group of our friends to actually go to Hawaii, which sounds super bougie. Uh, I just want to clarify, it was not a bougie Hawaii trip. It was a $299 Groupon Hawaii trip where we stayed in an, in an Airbnb with no air conditioning. Uh, it was more like a shack, but, but none of us had kids. None of us had like super important uh, or like really even good paying jobs. So we were just happy to be in Hawaii. And I thought to myself, man, what better place to tell the woman of my dreams that I love her for the first time than in Hawaii, right? I I'm picturing me surfing up on a surfboard coconuts in both hands, you know, Justin Bieber acoustic music is playing in the background, my hair is flowing in the wind, you know, it's like, bro, you have way too much hairspray in your hair for it to flow in the wind, okay, relax, all right, so this is what I'm picturing, and uh, we get there, we get to Hawaii, it's our second morning there, and I'm sleeping on a pull-out couch next to my friend Andrew, and about five o'clock in the morning, I wake up to the sound of the sliding glass door at the back of the Airbnb opening. And I'm thinking, man, we're being robbed. Like I, I jump up, I'm, I'm alert. I go run into the back of the Airbnb. And what I don't see is someone robbing us. I actually see the woman of my dreams walking out towards the ocean. And so I'm like, uh-oh, what's happening? Does she sleepwalk? You know, all these thoughts are running through my head. So I run out after her. I'm like, Maddie, 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 wake up. She's like, I'm awake. She said, I just need to come outside because I ate some fish last night that hasn't really settled on my stomach well, and I needed some fresh air. And it was like I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, this is your time. <laughs> 
And so we start walking down the beach and uh, it was truly like a magical moment. Um, a, a scene from a movie it couldn't do it justice. The sun started to rise. There were all these pink and orange hues in the sky. The birds are chirping. We're in Hawaii. Did I say that? Uh, the waves are crashing on the shore. Nobody else is on the beach except for us. We get to the end of the beach and I grabbed her by both hands and I, I turned her to look towards me and I stared right into her beautiful blue eyes and I said, I love you. I just felt amazing for about four and a half seconds because then she stared back at me and looked into my kind of average brown eyes. And she said, I think I'm going to throw up. And she ran to the bushes. Welcome to my life. Four and a half years later, we're married. Come on, somebody. God does a turnaround work. We got two kids. We love each other more now than we ever have. But it all started with a thought. Big things always start with small thoughts. I don't know if you noticed, but in Mark chapter five, before the woman was healed, she had a thought. Before the woman touched the hem of Jesus' robe, she had a thought. The verse says, because she thought, if I just touch his robes, I could be healed. It all started with a thought. The big things in our lives always start with small thoughts. This is what the book of Proverbs says in, in chapter 23, verse seven. It says, as a man thinks, so is he. As a woman thinks, so is she. In other words, the thoughts that we think add up to the lives that we will live. This is why the devil is after your thoughts. The devil is actually after your thoughts because he knows if he can change your thinking, it's not long before he can change your living. One of the clearest ways we see this today in 2023 is through social media. The first thing that you see when you get on your favorite social media app, no matter what app it is, as soon as you click that little icon and it opens up, it opens up to what is called a news feed, a news feed. And what happens when you open up that app and you get on that news feed is your mind, your thoughts start to eat. They start to eat. They start to eat. And, and what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is that you cannot expect to have a worldly diet and live a heavenly life. You cannot allow worldly thoughts into your mind repeatedly over and over and over again and expect to live a heavenly life. I put it this way. You can't think like the world and live like Jesus because all of your thoughts are leading to the life that you're going to live. This is one of the things that I think the devil's gotten really good at is convincing us that it's totally normal to wake up in the morning and to check social media before we do anything else. This is a surefire way to look less and less like Jesus over time. Because the first thoughts that you're thinking in the morning when you open up Instagram are probably not thoughts of peace, hope, love, and a sound mind. It's probably thoughts of comparison, lust, depression, and I hate Fox News or CNN. These are probably the thoughts that you're thinking when you get on social media first, but when you open up the word of God before you open up social media. But when you get into the presence of God before you get on social media, your, your thoughts begin to be put in the place that they were meant to be put. Your thoughts matter. Small thoughts lead to big things. This happens with the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. She had a thought. She 
she had a thought. And the thing about thoughts is you can have a bad thought and it can ruin your life, but you can also have a good thought and it can change your life forever. The woman in Mark chapter five is a clear example of this. But I wanna make sure this morning, as we're talking a lot about thoughts, if you haven't noticed, we're gonna keep talking about thoughts. I wanna make sure that we know that it's not just that we think thoughts and that thoughts themselves are powerful, but it's actually who we're thinking the thoughts about that hold the power. Let me explain. You could have a good thought about a doctor and, and you might receive really good care. But one good thought about Jesus and you could be completely healed. You might think a good thought about a politician and they might lower your taxes. Probably not. But you think one good thought about Jesus and you could be set completely free. You think one good thought about a judge and he might lower your sentence, but one good thought about Jesus and he will take the punishment of your entire crime. It's not just about thinking good thoughts. It's about thinking about a good God who would lay down his life for you and for me, not to just be set free when we sing songs about being set free, but to be set free in our identity, in our thoughts, and in our actions. We need to think better thoughts. This is what I believe this morning. If you came in here with a secret addiction, I believe a good thought about Jesus and you could be set free this morning. If you came in here this morning with a struggling marriage, I believe that there's great counselors. I believe that there's great resources that could help you. But more than any of those things, I believe great thoughts towards Jesus will lead to great thoughts towards your spouse. That a great thought towards Jesus could take a broken marriage and restore it. A great thought towards Jesus could take a broken relationship and make it whole again. That's a great place to say, amen. Preach it, white boy. Hallelujah. Check your thought life. If you don't like the way your life looks, see what your thought life is like. This woman, Mark chapter five, I've probably preached this passage of scripture 12 or 13 different times, 12 or 13 different sermons in my life. There's so much in this passage of scripture. But what I wanna focus on for the next few minutes is the stuff that happened before this woman was healed. The Bible says that she had an issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years. 12 years of the same struggle, the same issue, the same thing holding her down. Can you imagine struggling for some, with something for 12 years? Many of you maybe, maybe do know what that's like. This woman, she struggled for 12 years. It had become such a struggle in her life that it was no longer just a struggle, it was actually a part of her identity. In fact, when we read the story of the woman with the issue of blood, we don't even know her name. But we do know her struggle. What's her name? We don't know. What's her struggle? Bleeding. There are some people in this room, I believe today, that identify more with their struggles than they do their own name. And the thing about that that's so heartbreaking is that names are really difficult to change. They're really difficult to change. I learned this lesson uh, when I was 12 years old. My parents surprised me for my birthday when I turned 12 with uh, the first uh, generation iPod. Do you guys remember the iPod? I'm not talking about the iPhone Gen Z, okay? I'm talking about the iPod. The iPod was a device that looked like an iPhone, except it weighed about 22 and a half pounds. If you were wearing shorts and you put your iPod in your pocket, you were sagging to that side because it was so heavy. The iPod had the amazing, incredible capability to hold a hundred of your favorite songs on one device. Not a hundred and one. 
If you had 101 favorite songs, you had to get rid of one because it only held 100, but it had 100 songs. It was a groundbreaking device. And I remember I, got, I was so excited. I couldn't believe my parents bought it for me. Um, and I remember getting home, plugging it into the, the computer and it, and it popped up this message and it said, what do you want to name your iPod? You, you know, like Mac makes you name your devices. And so I'm 12 years old and uh, naturally I named it Stud Muffin's iPod. It's a true story. Uh, we're gonna have prayer in just a few minutes and I'll be up here. And so uh, Stud Muffin's iPod, and if you're an Apple, any Apple people in the room, we're the Apple people. Okay, amazing. You've tasted and seen, it's incredible. Uh, I'm a big Apple person. And the thing about Apple is, is every device you get, it asks you the same question. Do you wanna, what do you wanna name this device? And if you're like me and you say, I'll do it later, uh, you, you know, the little blue button, I'll do it later. I click that every time. It automatically names your new device the same name as your old device. So over the years, every Apple device that I got was named Stud Muffins MacBook, Stud Muffins iPhone. It just kept carrying over. About four or five years ago, uh, maybe it's been longer than that now, I'm not, not sure. Whenever the AirPods came out, the first generation AirPods, I was a college pastor in Cleveland, Tennessee. And I remember I got the AirPods, I was so excited about it. I'm sitting at Starbucks in Cleveland, Tennessee, got the AirPods in, and one of our main uh, female leaders at our college ministry walked in and she walked straight over to me and she goes, oh my goodness, you have the AirPods. I was like, I do have the AirPods. She's like, will you show me how they work? I was like, yeah, get your phone out. So she pulls her phone out, message pops up. Do you want to connect to Stud Muffin's AirPods? I was like, who else in this Starbucks has AirPods? This is crazy. Names are hard to change. And the devil knows this. And so what the devil loves to do is to call you by a name over and over and over again until you start to relate with a name that God didn't give you. Instead of John, you're not John, the one who Jesus loves. You're not John, John the, the son of God. You're John, the one who struggles with the issue of lust that nobody knows about. Instead of Sarah, I'm just throwing out names. If, you, if your name's Sarah, there's several Sarahs here today. I should have used a different one. I'm trying to think of a, of a name that, what's like a girl name that's not here? Um, okay, Shirley. If your name's Shirley. If your name's Shirley. Right, the devil, he starts reminding you, no, 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 you're, you're not surely the one Jesus loves. You're, you're not surely the daughter of God. You're surely the one that struggles with comparison, who's not lovable, the one who, who nobody wants to be around. He just starts saying this over and over and over again. And the sad part is when you allow yourself to be called the wrong name long enough, you start to identify with that name. You start to believe the lies that the devil tells about you all because you allowed him to keep calling you the same name over and over and over again. This, this uh, tactic started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. I'm not talking about Adam and Eve this morning, but just for a second, do you remember the first time when the devil came to Eve and tempted her? Really what he was doing is he was going after the identity of God and he was going after the identity of Eve at the same time. It was an identity question, not a fruit question. The snake comes to Eve and says, will you take the bite of this apple? And she knows she's not supposed to eat from the tree that the apple came from. And so she, you know, is kind of resistant at first. And he says, oh, if you'll just take the bite of this apple, you will be like God. And what the devil does in this moment is the devil is actually tempting her with something that she already has. 
The devil says, eat this apple and you will be like God. But just a few verses before this in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. So God makes us in his image and then the devil comes and says, sin against God so that you can be made in God's image. He's doing the same thing today. Hey, you could just, you'd experience the love that you want so deeply if you would just sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You could be loved if you would just give up that part of your body that's supposed to be a temple pleasing to the Lord. Just, just give it up and you could experience the love that you want. It's like, I could be loved? No, no, no. I'm already loved. God has already loved me enough to send his only son to die for me. Could be loved? We see this in other ways. Oh, if you would just sacrifice over here, if you would just sacrifice your family life and build the business, sacrifice your time with your wife so that you could work on work, sacrifice your time with your kids so that you could make more money. If you could just do this for a little bit, you'll be known. You'll get all the accolades you want. You'll have enough money in the bank account to do whatever you want. You will be successful. You could be somebody. It's like, could be somebody. The God of the universe knows the number of hairs that are on my head. The God of the universe that breathed stars into existence said that I was his masterpiece. I could be somebody. No, I am somebody. I am somebody in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and something that you're struggling with is your sexual identity. The devil loves to do this. Hey, you know better than God. You should just do what you're feeling. If you would just fix God's mistake, you'd be happier. Can I just speak to you and say, God didn't make a mistake. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made, not fearfully and mistakenly made. That the same God who took his time creating everything that you and I see and touch and experience here on this earth took time when he made you and thought about you and put the pieces together in your life. We got to stop believing the lies. We got to stop believing that if we do the thing the devil is tempting us, that we'll gain the thing that God already gave us. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. One of my favorite movies that I'm currently getting to watch with my son uh, right now is the movie Lion King. And uh, any, any Lion King fans in the room, um, I, I think it's the best Disney movie, and my son is just at the age where he can enjoy a full movie with me, and so we've been watching Lion King a lot, and uh, I'm convinced that Lion King is like a picture of the gospel, like the characters in the Lion King are actually uh, like portraying the gospel. Like just think about how Rafiki is so much like John the Baptist. Like is this just a preacher thing? Like has anyone else thought about this? I'm like, man, Rafiki's like the crazy monkey in the treehouse. He's barefoot. You know, he's like got paint all over him. You know, like I'm pretty sure there was honey on the tree that he's in. Um, just anyway, so I'm watching it. And uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie growing up was the part with Timon and Pumbaa. You know, Kuna Matata, he's eating the slugs and, and they're dancing and running around and stuff. But as I've gotten older and, and now that I'm watching the movie and now that I'm preaching every Sunday, I'm always looking for sermon illustrations. And one of the things that I was thinking about when I was watching Lion King most recently was how sad it is that the king of the jungle is eating slugs. The king of the jungle is chilling with a warthog 
in a meerkat. Is that it? Meerkat? A meerkat. In the movie, it's super fun and, and it's catchy, but, but, but what it really is, is it's a picture of somebody forgetting who they are. And what happens is John the Baptist, Rafiki, comes to Simba and he doesn't come and say, stop eating slugs. He doesn't come and, and say, stop hanging out with Timon and Pumbaa. He doesn't come and, and just start yelling at him for all the mistakes he's made. He comes with a simple message. Remember who you are. That's the message. And he just keeps saying it. Remember who you are. And what causes Simba to go back and to live as king of the jungle is that one line. Remember who you are. I think for a lot of people, what we do is we look at our thoughts and we look at our actions and we're not happy with them because we've read the Bible, we know who we're called to be in Jesus and we go, I gotta fix these thoughts and I gotta fix these actions and that's a great desire. But it's a pointless desire if you're not also remembering who you are. Because your actions and your thoughts will only be transformed at the pace that your identity in Jesus is accepted. If you want your thoughts to change, but you're not living from the place of I'm a son of God, your thoughts will not change. If you want your actions to change, but you're not living from the place of I am a daughter of God, your actions will not change. And so I was praying, I was like, what could, what could we talk about the week before our special Christmas service? And I felt over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit saying, there are people at Way Church, there are people in Nashville, Tennessee, who need to remind themselves of who they are in me. Can I just remind you as a follower of Jesus that you are a royal priesthood, that you are the head and not the tail, that, that you are somebody who is a new creation in Christ Jesus, that the old has passed and the new has come. You are not your failures any longer. You are not your mistakes any longer. You are not the cycles of repetitive sin that you cannot get out of your life. And what God wants to do today is to set you free by reminding you that you are not your mistakes, but you are a son and daughter of God. This is what happens in Mark chapter five. Can we put the scripture back up really quick? Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the climax of the story, but if you don't understand the context of the story, you miss so much that's happening here. And so I just wanna take just a second to explain a little bit more about what this woman would have had to walk through, this woman with the issue of blood. 12 years of struggle. Now, for most of us, our deepest struggles are private. The, the sin that we most regularly struggle with is almost always private. This woman's struggle was both private and public. In fact, if you had this issue, this issue of nonstop bleeding, in the Jewish culture, you were seen as unclean, which meant you were not allowed to go in public places, number one. You were also not allowed to go to synagogue or church. So this woman, if she had sin in her life, could not even go to the temple to, make, to, to sacrifice a lamb or a goat to pay for her sins. This is all, like she couldn't do any of that stuff. So not only was she seen as someone who was dirty and unclean, physically, she was seen as someone who was dirty and unclean spiritually. She was in the outcast of society. On top of this, people who struggled with physical ailments like this, 
if they were to touch someone else, they would make the person they touched unclean. And so when this woman and people like her would be seen coming into town, it was quite common for the men of homes to pick up rocks and throw them at people like her to keep them away from their kids and their wives. This woman never went to the grocery store without being yelled at to stay away. This woman never went near a church without being told she couldn't come. This woman never went to a small group. She never got to go and participate in any sort of community. She was thrown stuff at and she was cursed at her entire life. And so she has the thought, maybe Jesus could set me free. She has the faith to reach out and touch his robe. And then she's immediately healed. And the question I've always had when I'm reading this passage of scripture is when she's healed, why does she hide? But I think the answer is obvious. She hid because every other time she got near somebody, she was told to get away. Like if I was, if I was healed by Jesus, I'd be jumping up and down. I'd be like, like, look, I'm, I'm not bleeding anymore. I would be celebrating, but she hides back in the crowd and Jesus has to turn around and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean? You're probably being touched by dozens of people. There's a massive crowd. We're on a skinny little road. What do you mean? Who touched me? And Jesus is like, no, somebody touched me with faith. There was power that went out from me. Who touched me? And I just picture the moment of this, this woman hiding beneath other people. And she finally timidly raises her hand. And she's like, I, it was me. And she begins to tell him. And she begins to probably brace for impact. Here it comes. This man's followers are gonna throw rocks at me. They're gonna tell me to get away. Now Jesus is gonna be unclean himself. He's gonna to have to go. They would literally have to quarantine for 14 days before they could enter back into society. She's probably feeling shame and guilt and regret and sadness. You know what Jesus does? The first words out of Jesus's mouth. Daughter. Jesus wanted to remind her that she was his before he reminded her that she was healed. Where everybody else turned around to condemn her, to shame her, to throw rocks at her, Jesus turned around to remind her of her identity. You're not your struggle anymore. You're not your mistake anymore all the sins that you committed and you couldn't pay for, guess what? I came to pay for them. You are a daughter. Here's the crazy thing. The devil, he knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. But Jesus knows your sin and calls you by your name. The thing that you think nobody else sees, he sees it and he says, son. He says, daughter. The struggle that you've had in private for years, he sees it and he says, son. And he says, daughter the thing that you've been trying to figure out how to get rid of, he can take it this morning. He can heal you this morning, but before he does it, he wants you to know that you're his. Will you close your eyes? If you're here this morning, you'd be just vulnerable and open with me for a second. And you say, I got some stuff in my life that I've been struggling with and I need to be reminded this morning of my identity. We just raise up your hand for a second so I know I'm praying with. Thank you so much. It's amazing. Thank you so much. I just want to do this. Can we just say this together with every eye closed? I'm a child of God. <laughs> 
one, two, three. I'm a child of God. I want to do it one more time, but before you do, I want you to just take a second and pray to the Lord until you until you really believe it. with their struggle more than their name that you've given them. The weariness that comes for comes with that, the discouragement that comes with that. God, I pray that you would give them the faith this morning to reach out and touch the hem of your garment, whatever that looks like, God. If it looks like prayer of repentance, if it looks like accountability and asking somebody to help carry the weight with them, if it looks like coming up for prayer in just a few moments with our prayer team, if it looks like walking in their new identity this week, God, I just pray that they would stop trying to carry it on their own and they would trust you with it. They would have a thought towards you of faith that you can do what we can't do. God, we believe that our thoughts towards you are powerful because you are powerful because you are good, because you want to heal us, because you made us fearfully and wonderfully, because you desire a relationship with us more than any other thing. We remind ourselves today that just because we failed does not mean that we are failures. And just because we made mistakes does not mean that we are a mistake. But that you look at us and in our broken, desolate place, you say daughter and son, faith has healed you.